Hold your Bible in your hand. Lift it up real high, as high as you can. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Man, last week we were talking about finances and we're talking about harmonizing our hearts with our money. Amen. And uh, we discovered last week that God does not have a problem with us having finances or money or material things. Uh, but we discovered that God has a huge problem when we start putting our trust. Someone say trust. Uh, uh, the problem with finances is not money in and of itself. It is a mist. Play, misplacement of our trust. Uh, when you start trusting your money, and unfortunately, uh, people have a tendency to start putting their trust in money and in material things, and God wants us to ultimately put our trust in Him. Amen? So if you are not here and you didn't get to hear that, you can go onto the website and pick that up for free. Today we are continuing, and we're going to start uh, dealing with tithes and offerings. Amen? But today we're going to deal with the, the, the principle of offering and bringing an offering before God and what that means for you and me. Amen? And uh, next week we will try and deal with uh, tithes if we manage to finish uh, dealing with what I'm dealing with uh, here today, which is uh, offerings. Amen? Now the first thing I want you to realize is that your offering is, uh, is your worship. Uh, offerings are a way of worshipping God. Amen? Uh, when Abraham was going up the mountain, he said to his servants, You stay here. I'm going up the mountain to yonder and worship. And he wasn't going up the mountain to sing a song. He was going up the mountain to offer a sacrifice or to give an offering. Amen? So your offering is a way of Worship. Your offering goes beyond just us passing around a basket and you throwing in some money. It's actually a form of worship. Amen? Let us go now to Exodus chapter number 10 and we're going to read from verse 24. Exodus, the 10th chapter. I'm going to read from verse 24. This is Moses and Pharaoh. You remember the story? Moses had gone to... Uh, you know, set free the children of Israel. He was on assignment. God had sent him on assignment to go and get the children of Israel released by Pharaoh. So this was after the plague uh, of seven days of darkness. And this is what happened. Pharaoh made a decision. He was going to release the children of Israel. So he called Moses in and he said these words. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. Next verse. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. May I please have it in the New Living Translation? Same verse. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go back to verse 24. Finally, Pharaoh called for Moses and said, Go, worship the Lord. He said, But leave your flocks and your herds. You may even take your little ones with you. Next verse. No, Moses said, You must provide us with animals for sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord our God. The first thing I want you to notice is, Moses didn't say you must provide us with animals for food. Do you see it? Uh, the, the primary uh, thing that was on Moses' mind for getting all this stuff was so he could give to God a sacrifice. Next verse. Watch what happens. All our livestock must go with us too. Not a hoof can be left behind. We must what? Read that word. I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. Come on, say it like you're at breakfast. He says... We must choose our sacrifices for the Lord our God from amongst these animals. So he understood two things. 
that the first thing they needed to do was to get some animals to take with them. The second thing he understood was, hey, this is a form of worship, and because it's a form of worship, I am not going to just haphazardly give anything to God. I'm going to what? You know, I used to go, uh, 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 I never used to understand this principle. And what I would do in my early days of being saved is, you know, I would go to the club. Oh, man, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. I would go to the club the whole night and then go to the church the next day, Sunday morning, because I was guilty, man. I feel like I have to go to church. So I'll go to church the next day, Sunday morning, and when I go to church, when they pass around the offering basket, here's what I would do. I would take whatever is left over from the club with the receipts and just throw it in the offering basket. How many of you realize there was no choosing in that? There was no planning in that. Remember Isaiah 32, verse 8, what does it say? A generous person plans to do what is generous. So there's a plan. There is a, they're making a choice. What kind of choice are they making? Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 3, verse 9. We'll see what kind of choice they are making. So if you're taking down notes, write this down. The word worship is the Hebrew word shakar, which means an expression of reverence. Someone say reverence. Man, your, your offering is an expression of reverence. It is an expression of honor. Someone say honor. honor. Now, if what you are giving to God is an expression of honor, someone gave to you and it didn't mean anything to you, then there is no honor in that. Hallelujah. It's an expression of adoration for a deity. Amen? And this expression can take the form of a song, a lifestyle, or an offering. Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 3. Did I tell you the verse? You should know the verse. Y'all prophets, right? Amen. Proverbs 3 verse 9. Proverbs 3 verse 9. So he said, man, we need these, these animals so that we can worship our God. Proverbs chapter number 3. From verse 9. Let's read it in the New King James Bible first. And then we'll come back to this. What's the first word? Which is the same word for worship. Amen? And notice he says honor the Lord. And the next word is W-I-T-H. Honor the Lord with. Every time you see the word honor in the Bible, it's always followed with something. Yeah. You have to honor with something. You know, when the Bible says honor your parents, uh, uh, your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the earth realm, honor is not lip service. This is why God had a problem with them, even in the Old Testament. He said, you, 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 you say Lord, Lord with your lips, but your hearts are far away from me. How did he know that? Remember, Matthew chapter number 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How did he know that it was lip service? Because their treasure was not where their mouth was at. Man, this is good preaching. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, let's go to the New Living Translation. There's a revelation in this. Remember, Moses said, out of all of these animals, we will choose. What are you going to choose, Moses? This scripture answers that. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the... Man, the sermon is over. <laughs> honor the Lord with your wealth. In case you don't know how to honor the Lord, let me help you with that. You honor the Lord with wealth, with treasure, when you bring it before God. And here's what's interesting. When the children of Israel were asked to leave uh, uh, Egypt, they were asked to go and borrow from their neighbors silver, gold, and all kinds of stuff. And immediately God translated them into a desert where they couldn't use the gold. Now you have all this cash, but no place to spend it. You know why? Because the lesson is, it's not your money that's looking after you. It's me. They still had to rely on God with all the money the world could give them. 
The principle is, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. So here's how Moses was going to offer sacrifices or uh, as a way of worship to God. He was going to stand on the herd and look at the fated cows, the, the, the big ones, the ones that are uh, uh, fit for offering, the ones that are fit for worship. Not just any change from the club. I'm preaching to myself. He was going to stand and pick the best part to bring as an offering to God as a form of worship, as a way of reverencing, honoring God so it wasn't just a haphazard. It was a well thought out method. He knew what he was doing. He said, I'm not just going to bring anything. Uh, you know, I'm just not going to figure it on Sunday morning. We're planning in advance. Before we get there, we know there's going to be uh, a place for us to worship God and to give Him offerings. And we have to plan in advance. And He says, with the best part of everything you produce. He didn't say with the best part of some things. The best part of everything you produce. Why? Why did He say all of this? Because He's trying to get to verse 10. All of this is said because God is trying to get to verse 10. What does verse 10 say? Next verse. Then he, who, who might be he? I didn't hear that. God is trying to get involved in your life, but the way you do it is to first honor him. Someone say honor. The principle of honor is key to the transfer of an anointing. It's key to the transfer of a grace. It is key to, it, to the transfer of the power of God. Whatever you don't honor, you reject. You know, I was reading a, a biography about this billionaire. And, you know, when he was like 12 years old, he decided he really wanted to meet the CEO of McDonald's Japan really wanted to meet him. And when he went to meet with him, that was the destiny changer. And that meeting lasted 10 minutes. But let me tell you, there are some people in that office who spend all their time with the CEO of Japan. What was the difference? The difference was they didn't recognize and honor what was in the CEO of Japan. That's the difference. When you start honoring it, all you need is 10 minutes for it to make an impact in your life. And this is what I tell, you know, our leaders. I tell the men, you need to have the ability, the discernment to recognize an anointing. And when you press in and honor it, it will flow into your life. That's what we call partnership. After Saul was anointed by Samuel, it took him one moment, joined in with the prophets, recognized what was on them. And the Bible said he also started prophesying in a moment. Why? Because he recognized and honored it and it flowed into his life. The reason why we cannot honor God with our wealth is because we have not caught the revelation of how awesome he is. This is why we need people like Arthur Mankis. They just tell you how good God is. And when you realize that, then you are compelled to honor him. Because you realize, man, God is not trying to take away from me. He is a God of lavish abundance. He wants to just flood me with his blessing. Shower me with his blessing. But for you to do that, you have to perceive. See, honor, all honor is is perceived value. And you can see that in the way you give your offerings, in the way you think about your offerings. He says when you honor him and you bring him the first part, this is what happens. So honor precedes abundance. Honor precedes increase. Honor precedes going into new dimensions. Man, I'm telling you, the, the CEO of McDonald's PA spent all of his life or her life with him. But it didn't change nothing. And then here comes this guy. All he needed was 10 minutes. And it changed all his life. There's some people who spend all their lives with Steve Jobs. There's so one guy, all he needed was five minutes with Steve, and it changed the trajectory of his life. Because he honored and he recognized what was on him. Man, we need to start honoring God. But for us to do that, we need to catch the revelation of who he really is. God is not El Chipo. He's not trying to take away from you. God is trying to flood you with blessings. 
So when he says, bring it to me, your attitude should be, man, I know I'm partnering with the Almighty God and whatever he has will flow towards me. In fact, all God is saying is, take the little you have, let's put it in, a, in one container and let's share resources. And then now you can take all you want. Let's partner in this. Honor me. And we'll partner in this. And he will fill your barns with grain. Amen? Amen. He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with what? With good wine. Man, everything you do will begin to prosper. You will begin to grow. There is a harvest. There is an abundance. But we have to realize that we can tap into that by honoring God and worshiping God for who he really is. Amen? So honor precedes abundance. If you're writing down notes. The second thing um, I want to talk to you about is that your offering produces a harvest. Your offering produces a harvest. Write that down. I think that's powerful. See, what you give to God will produce a harvest. In fact, the Bible talks about sowing and reaping. Anybody ever heard about sowing and reaping? Sowing and reaping is a law that you can take advantage of. Amen? Amen. And, you know, I have to say this. If this church was at a place where we have all our needs met and we have a billion dollars, we've bought our building and everything is firing, uh, uh, all the salaries, are there, we basically have 100 million U.S. dollars in the bank account, Amen. I would still be teaching this sermon. Amen. Because it's not about the church. It's about you. Man, at some point, you're going to have to realize my words must, must match my lifestyle. That has always been my challenge. I say to God, Lord, I don't want to stand up and preach something that I can't prove. You know why? Because the unbelievers don't understand revelation. They don't understand speaking in tongues. They can't interpret that. They All they know is this dude said God can prosper him, but this dude ain't prospering nothing. <laughs> they're looking at my words and looking at my lifestyle, and at some point they're going to say, Brother, this God of yours that you are telling me about, how come he's not doing it for And when I realized, man, I, I have to, I have to, my lifestyle has to match what the word of God is saying, I started pressing in in faith. Because I have to prove this for me. Amen? Genesis chapter number 8, verse 22. So your offering produces a harvest. Whatever you give to God, don't wave it bye-bye. You may as well expect a harvest. Genesis chapter number 8, verse 22. This is after the flood. Uh, New King James Bible, please. Thank you, Jesus. And this is God speaking. He says, while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So God here just announced the laws of life. And he said the first one is seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest is a law just like gravity is a law. And these are, law, these are laws that govern the universe that you and I live in. You know, 1903, uh, the Wright brothers, Oval and his brother, decided, hey... We, we, we can fly. But, but for us to fly, we need to understand uh, the law of gravity first and, and the law of lift, uh, basically known as the law of aerodynamics. And they studied the law of aerodynamics and when they uh, made that uh, first powered uh, plane to fly, they took off based on the law of aerodynamics. Now what is a law? A law is something that is consistent everywhere you go. The law of gravity is consistent, just like the law of seed and harvest. Amen? The law of seed and harvest is in effect just like the law of gravity. Can I have three people? Brian, you want to come up? Let me just uh, show you this. Uh, 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 Vilo, you want to come up? And uh, who else? 
Let me get someone else. Uh, Jabu, you want to come up? Can I have a Bible? Just a Bible? Or a uh, notebook? Notebook. We have three people that are coming up. Uh, Brian, here, he's a, 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 a lecturer, science teacher, a genius. He may know and mess up my, my flow, so I'm going to start over here. Do you know what the formula for gravity is? I don't know, so don't be embarrassed. I, I'll be honest, I don't know what it is. So she doesn't know what the formula of gravity is. And where do you live? In Poso? And she's, uh, uh, what's your origin? What would you say your ethnic background is? Uh, African, Indian, Indian. Now, let's see if this law of gravity works. Now, what do you expect to happen to this book once she let it go? How do you know? That's what happens? Okay, that's a good answer. Let it go. Okay, all right, let's try it with the Mulungu. Let's try it with Brian. Brian, do you know what the formula for gravity is? He may know. <laughs> he said, no, Pastor, I don't know. Thanks, man, for not messing up my... <laughs> What's going to happen when Brian lets it go? But it's Brian, it's not Velo. It doesn't matter? Okay, let it go. Oh, wow. Okay, Jabu, come through. Man, Jabu is like, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. I'm just minding my own business. <laughs> Let it go. Wow, did you see what just happened? It worked with her. It worked with him and with her. It didn't choose ethnic background. You may see it. It didn't choose race. It didn't choose uh, uh, color of your skin. It does not matter. You know why? Because it's a law. The same way the law of seed, time, and harvest does not choose race. It does not choose the color of your skin. It does not care whether you are a male or a female. You know what that means? That means God has just transferred your destiny for a harvest into your hands. Well, Pastor T, I don't even know this law of seed time and harvest. It does not matter. It's still in effect. In fact, all our aisles in our supermarkets are a testimony to this law. That someone put seed in the ground and that seed sprung forth and it was a tree and we got rubber from it. What did Jesus say? He said in Mark chapter number 4, So is a man who goes and sows seed into the ground and goes and sleeps. So should the seed spring forth and bring forth a harvest. But he does not know how. Whether you know it or you don't, the law is still in effect and it, it can work to your advantage. Watch this if you cooperate with it. Amen. You have to get into the floor. You have to put some seed into the ground. Why? Because it's a law. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's confirmed in the New Testament. Remember Galatians chapter number 6 verse 7? It says, do not be deceived. Because there's a tendency for people to be deceived. Yeah. All these churches want is your money. It says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man puts in the ground that. Someone say that. Yeah. <laughs> it says, that shall we also reap. So if he put a, 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 a small seed in the ground, you will also reap how? If he put an abundant seed in the ground, you also reap how? Says don't be, don't be deceived, man. You can start cooperating with this law of sowing and reaping. Well, I don't want to, Pastor T. It does not change the fact that the law is in effect. You know, and I, you know, I have to say this. We're not trying to get a big offering. I'm just trying to help you to start tapping into the abundance of God. Amen. Man, because when you start tapping into it, I remember five years ago, I think, um, you know, my wife and I bought a house that we live in now, and we were moving into it. And, you know, we decided we were going to sow all of the furniture that was in our little flat. And we didn't want to move with it into our... And this was great furniture. This was nice stuff. This was stuff we, we were using when we were in that two-bedroom apartment. And before we had any sign, because the Bible says, you who observe the winds will not 
So, so we didn't wait for a harvest for us to sow. We just said, you know what, we're going to give this away and trust that God will furnish or he will bring forth, just like he says in his word. And we gave away everything. Man, people were coming to pick it up before we even moved into our new home. Uh, Pastor T said, I can have the fridge. Oh, I'm coming to get it tomorrow. And people were picking it up. And we couldn't hold back. Like, oh, wait, you know, uh, we don't know whether God is going to bring us a fridge when we move. No, you can pick it up. Because the law says if I put seed in the ground, it will spring forth. And before we moved in, someone came and said, Hey, Pastor T, God has given me an instruction. Now, here's another revelation. God would not have given that instruction to a broke person. So she she had to have something to work with. God gave that instruction and said, go and furnish all of Pastor T's house. Now, this is a three-bedroom house with about two lounges, uh, an outside patio, I mean... (laughs) Uh, two lounges, you need two TVs, two uh, sets of couches. So, so this is not Mickey Mouse supply. This is heavy supply. And God needs someone to work with, but that person has to be positioned to be in a place to obey God in that area of finances. Amen. First of all, they need to have some money. <laughs> to be able to buy something, 400, uh, 500 baht. Because when I calculated it, that was what it was. Amen? And then God sent that person, I remember vividly, after the service, came to me. Not even from this church, from across the pond somewhere. Came and said, Pastor T, God has said, God has said I should furnish your whole house from the, way, from the bottom all the way to the top. And I didn't have to buy any of the furniture. Now, I'm not saying you should go and give away everything that's in your house. need to say I'm saying when God speaks to you obey I remember when I first gave away uh, uh, a car you know how many of you know that I had to have a car for me for God to give me an instruction to give away a car I had to have something to work with what does the Bible say it says his eyes go to and fro looking for someone to show himself strong through his eyes are looking for distribution channels his eyes are looking Amen. for people who say these three words hear my Lord Amen. and when you position yourself to be a sower to be a person who's not hesitant to put seed in the ground God will see to it that you'll ever harvest so you can put more seed in the ground Amen. Listen, you're not going to get any harvest by just, you know, coming to church and singing uh, songs and just greeting people. You're going to get a harvest by putting some seed in the ground and start cooperating with the laws of God. You remember the prophet Elijah, he goes to this widow and she says, man, this is the last meal we are left with. We're left with just a little bit of oil and we're going to eat this and then we die. And you know what what Elijah says? He says, give it. Give it to me first. And as she made that deposit, as she cooperated with the law of seed time and harvest, she reaped a harvest and was supplied for close to three and a half years. But she had to put some seed in the ground. See, a lot of people are trying to reap a harvest, but they don't want to sow. And even, man, this is meant to change your attitude. When you decide, I'm going to be a sower, This is meant to change your attitude. I've never met a farmer in my entire life, and I know a few farmers. My parents are farmers. I've never met a farmer who is uh, 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 grumbling and just complaining when it's uh, seed time. Man, a farmer looks forward to sowing season. Man, a little bit of rain. My parents, just a little bit of rain. It's just a drizzle. It's not even rainy season yet. They're putting seed in the ground. And I asked them, why? Why are you doing that? They said, we don't want to miss out on this window of opportunity. That's how they look at it. You know why? Because they know it's the law of seed, time, and harvest. And when they put seed, they're not putting one, one. They're putting triple. You know why? Because they want to make sure that something comes from it. 
And then not only that, they go back after three months to inspect and see if every seed sprang forth. And if it didn't, they will still put some more seed. They are intentful about putting seed in the ground. Over here, we don't understand it. We city boys like, oh man, I can't believe the offering is here again. (laughs) No man, you're putting seed in the ground. This is your opportunity to change your financial outlook. This is your opportunity to start working with God. Start cooperating with God. And when he gave us this law, seed time and harvest, now you can't complain about anybody else. You know why? Because he's just given the power to you. The power is now with the people. It's transferred your destiny into your... Your financial outlook is 100% in your power. 100%. Whatsoever you sow. That shall you also reap. Hallelujah. Man, this is good stuff. Love it. Genesis chapter number 1 verse 28. You got to put that seed in the ground. And make it a lifestyle. Just keep putting that seed. Put that seed in the ground. Genesis chapter number 1. I'm going to read from verse 28 to 29. Then God blessed them. This is after God had created you and me, man. Remember, Adam, first man. Uh, Then God blessed them, and God said, and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Next verse. And God said, see, someone say see, in other words, take notice. I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to uh, uh, zero in on this. God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields what? I didn't hear that. Why did he have to say that? He says, man, he could have said, man, I've given you every herb. He wants you to know that within every harvest, there is a seed element. He says, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. Every tree whose fruit yields what? Seed. He's saying, every tree has a fruit, and within that fruit is a seed element. And I have a fruit here with me this morning. Can I get a knife? Let's just do this. You know what this uh, fruit is called? No. Gotta pear. <laughs> this is an avocado. Amen. I know what it is. Now I want you to see something here. There it is. Oh man, nice and fresh. Question. How many of you eat this brown stuff here? Why not? Did you hear what Henry said? It's not edible. Why is it not edible? It's not meant for food. Okay, why? What will happen if I decided to eat it? It doesn't even taste nice. You know why? Because it was not meant to be. It was not. Man, that stuff you're eating was not meant to be used to buy the latest iPhone. Man, that stuff was meant to minister to someone else. It was meant to be given to someone else so that you can get a harvest out of it. Now, if I planted this uh, uh, avocado seed in the ground, what should I expect? An avocado tree. How many avocados, on average, would I expect to get from one tree? In one, at least a hundred. That's the hundredfold the Bible is talking about, and it's demonstrated even in nature. He's saying, man, you need to have the the ability to discern the seed element from the harvest. So that you don't need... How many of you eat the brown stuff in an apple? You know the the, the stuff right in the middle? Why don't you eat that stuff? It doesn't even taste nice. How do you know that you're eating from the harvest, from the seed? It doesn't even taste nice because it was not meant to be eaten. It was meant to be put back in the ground so that you can expect a bigger, better harvest. This is why the first instruction was, man, realize within this herb is a seed. Within this fruit 
is a seed. Within this harvest is a seed element. And take that seed and put it in the ground. So you can expect a harvest. And when you start doing that, you start cooperating with the laws of God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Thank you, Jesus. And you have to apply this. Amen? You have to apply this. Ecclesiastes 10.10, before we go to 2 Corinthians. Man, after you get this, you need to make a decision. I am going to apply this. Amen? Watch what it says. It says, if the axe is dull and does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But, someone say but. but. Wisdom, you know what the word wisdom means? It means knowledge applied. Listen, it's pointless coming to a service like this, getting a revelation like this, and walking out of here and doing your own thing. You know why? Because that's the description of the first part. The X, that is dull. You're going to need more strength. You will get some results because God loves you. He's pronounced a blessing on you. But man, it's going to take a lot more. You're going to need to send more CVs and do more work and, you know, do more fasting and do more praying. And just, you're going to have to crank and just, you know, just, just work hard. The tree will eventually come down. But here's what a wise man will do. They will waste, spend most of their time sharpening the axe. So that when it's time to apply, they apply the right thing. Knowledge and its proper use and application brings results. In fact, the word knowledge, if you look at it in the Greek, does not mean an accumulation of data. You know, over here, you go to university, they say you know something if you can uh, uh, put it in your head and regurgitate it when it's exam time. Now, when you look in the Greek, the Hebrew scholars, they'll tell you knowledge is only when you can apply it. They don't believe you know the law of aerodynamics until you build a plane and you actually get on it and fly it and trust that it will float. So what is knowledge? Over here, knowledge is understanding this law of seed time and harvest and actually start applying it. That's the wisdom that will bring success. Amen? Where did I tell you to go? Second Corinthians chapter number 9 from verse 6. I may not even finish uh, my sermon, but that's all right. How much time do I have? Ten minutes? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter number six, chapter number nine, verse six. If you have it, you can say I have it. Is this helping you? Man, I'm telling you, at the end of 2018, your finances should look different. You need to get in with the program of God and start tapping into some of these principles. Your finances must look different. The provision should come from everywhere. Amen. You know, I was about to cancel a, a, a ministry trip to the U.S. Uh, on Monday. I almost canceled it uh, because I couldn't get someone to pick me up from the airport because the conference is about two hours away from uh, uh, the airport in Denver and I, I didn't have accommodation and so on and so on and so on and so forth. And I was like, man, I'm about to cancel this thing. And on Monday, someone reached out to me. Uh, uh, this guy sent a message to us at the beginning of the year. And he said, you know, Pastor, I've been following you and I'm watching your sermons and so on and so forth. Just to let you know that you're blessing us over here. He reached out to me. He said, man, I know last year you mentioned that you were coming for this conference. Are you still coming? I said, man, I'm not sure anymore. He said, well, I'd already registered for me and my son because we want to meet with you and hang out. And I was like, man, I'm not sure, you know. And he was like, is it the flights? I said, no, it's not the flights. And he was like, is it the... Because one thing about me is I'll never beg for anything. You know why? Because the Bible says I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children beg for bread. I believe I'm the son of a righteous man. I'll never beg for anything. So I'm not going to be putting it on Facebook. Do you know anyone who can give me a lift? I'm not going to be doing that. You know why? Because I know God knows... And God has people in the city, and he can commission those people to come and do what they need to do. So he pulled it out of me. He said, transport? I said, well, it may be. He said, I'll pick you up. He said, is it accommodation? I said, well, it may be. He said, I'll put you up at my house, and we've rented you a suite. 
Is it a sweet or sweet? How do you spell that? S-U-I-T. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be in one in a few months. It's like, it's like and it's going to be sweet. <laughs> like, Pastor, I can spell sweet. It doesn't matter. I will be in a sweet. <laughs> don't have to spell it. Amen? Just, just be in it. And he said, man, this is what I'm saying. God will provide all your needs, but you need to position yourself. Watch what he says. But I say this, he who sows how? Sparingly. Now, he's talking about giving of offerings here. And he's saying, he who is stingy with putting seed in the ground will reap. They'll reap. But they'll also reap how? Sparingly. Now, how do you measure sparingly versus uh, bountifully? It is measured by how much you're left with. The reason why the widow was the most, uh, 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 the, the, the giver of all time. I think she's the biggest giver of all time. The reason why she's the biggest giver of all time, she even impressed Jesus and she only gave a penny, probably 10 rand. The reason was because that's all she had. And that was a bountiful offering. So a bountiful offering does not mean, you know, you giving 100 million. Because a lot of people keep postponing their offering and they say, Pastor, I'll give when my sheep comes in. When my harvest comes in. When I get a promotion, I'll be a giver. No, you start where you are. He says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God is not cheating anyone out of the blessing. They say, he who gives, I will look at the gift and then I'll see and then we'll discuss and then the angels will let me know if it's been a nice person and then we'll see, we'll track record. No, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who, rob, who sows bountifully will also reap how? Bountifully. Next verse. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Remember, a generous person plan their generosity so there has to be a purpose in your heart. It can't be from the club, just whatever is in there. Has to be purpose. You have to think about it. What's your offering game plan for 2018? And I will show you why it matters. He let his purposes in his heart, not grudgingly. Mm, man, your gift is not as important as your attitude. In fact, your attitude is more important than the gift you are giving. How many husbands do I have in the house? Just husbands? Try this. When it's your wife's birthday, just make a breakfast and then walk into uh, uh, breakfast in bed. Is that what they call it? Then walk into the bedroom and just say, there you go, honey, breakfast in bed. And then you walk out. Make sure it has everything. Make sure it's got uh, beans, it's got bacon, it's got all the nice stuff. But just walk in there and say, hey, breakfast in bed and then walk out. And see how that will turn out. <laughs> and then let us know. You can give us the testimony at the men's fellowship. You know why? Because the breakfast has to go with the attitude. <laughs> Not grudgingly. Remember what God said to the children of Israel in Psalm uh, 50? He said, man, I don't have a problem with you uh, for your sacrifices. The problem I have is your attitude. Because you don't realize that I own a cattle on a thousand hills. Hey, let me tell you something. If I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. Man, God was getting on the edge. You know why? Because the attitude matters as much as the gift. It is not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful. Man, if you're going to do it, you better do it dancing. Amen. Next verse. And God is able. Someone say, God is able. It says, and God is able to make how much? All grace. This is the definition of prosperity. God is able to make all grace abound towards you when uh, that you when uh, always having. There's a thing in the Bible called always having. And that's where I'm striving to go towards. Man, once that, bo uh, that bond, is that what they call it? 
Man, that thing is a bondage. The bond, once that thing is paid off, man, all of that cash, when it hit, hits my account, all of that cash will be mine. And I won't have a place to take it. But you know what, th- what else that means? That means anybody who comes with a problem, anyone who starts a building fund, I can go into that harvest and say, you know what? I can actually give towards that. Because all I have to pay is the rates. That's all I have to pay is the rates for the complex. And God is trying to get me to that. And I'm going there very fast. Boy, when that happens, I'll have lots to give. But that doesn't discount me from giving right now because I'm sowing so I can get to that place. Having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. But watch what it says next verse. As it is written, he has dispensed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Next verse. Now may he, who might be he, capital letter H. He says, now may he who supplies what? To the who? So, you know, some of you are thinking, but pastor, I don't have a start. You know what your start is? To get into the flow? It's a decision. All you have to do is to become a sower and God supplies what? Seeds to who? To sowers. In other words, God gives money to givers. Amen. This is good. All you have to do is decide, you know what? This year I want to give 200,000 and mean it. See, a lot of people are sitting there being spiritual, talking about this year I want to give 2 million. But God knows your heart. He knows once that money hits your account, you're going to get that Bentley. Man, you have to be sincere. You have to, man, God knows all things. You have to start where you are, and as you grow, you grow in confidence. You grow in your sowing and your reaping and, and your confidence. Man, money will find you. God gives seeds to sowers. God knew before the beginning of time, Tafara is going to be believing for furniture for his house in 2013. And I need to find someone who can facilitate this. They to, God had to find someone with a heart big enough to facilitate that. They have to position themselves as a sower. He says, God supplies seed to sowers and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have. So God does two things. He supplies seed to sowers, and he also supplies bread for your food. But then he goes on and multiplies seed you have sown. See, he doesn't multiply seed that's on your table. You know, Pastor, I'm accumulating this money. And yeah, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I'm going to give it later sometime. No, no, God multiplies the seed you have put in the ground. Hallelujah. And what happens to the food you have eaten? So there are two kinds of people from this scripture. They are sowers and eaters. But I want to be a sower. You know why? Because sowers get to do two things. They sow and they also eat. But eaters, all they can do is eat. Better known as takers or consumers or hoarders. And they are violating everything about the principle of sowing and reaping. Man, I like this principle because it puts my financial destiny into my own hands. Now I can't say those people or that government or the people of that race or those people. No, I can say these people. Because these people are the ones who decide whether we're going to sow or not. And how we're going to do it. Do we do it as a reverence to God? Do we do it as a way of worship? Do we do it bountifully? Do we do it with intent? These people. When I gave away my first car, I'm believing God to give away many other cars. God spoke to me and he told me, saw this car, give it to someone. 
who needed a car at the time. And I mean, this was my first car. It was my beloved son, if you will. I loved this car. I pimped it, changed the rims, changed the radio, put some nice speakers in there. Just, just, man, it was my ride. It was my baby. And God said, give it away. I said, Lord, I'll pray about it. He says, give it away. And then when I gave it away, here's my testimony for you. I never have to beg for transport anywhere I go. People give us cars. Everywhere we go, people just give us cars to use. Because you know what? I don't need a car to own. All I need is a car to use. But I had to be a good steward with the car that I had. I was sharing with the guys at Life Group that when I was in uh, uh, Sydney, Australia, uh, I started you know, reading their local newspaper, and one of the problems they were dealing with was people just dumping cars at malls. Because you know, when your car is old, it starts emitting a certain level of uh, uh, carbon. Uh, they you know, pump the, the renewal, the license price up, and people just basically take that car and pack it at four ways more and leave it there forever. And that's bad stewardship. So there's bad stewardship both in little and in abundance. What do you do with the extra stuff? The shoes you don't wear. Okay, okay, moving right along. That preached to someone right there. What do you do with that stuff? Do you just... Because that's bad stewardship. Watch what it says. It says you multiply seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Next verse. And then we... Uh, we close. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, generosity, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. We still have two more points to deal with. We're going to deal with them next week, but we're out of time. Was that good? Man, I'm telling you, your offering is your key to an abundant life. And this is not a slot machine kind of mindset. This is a lifestyle. You have to become a soul. Amen. I said, you're here. You have pain and or sickness in your body. We want to pray for you. Just lift your hand wherever you are. You have stress, worry, and anxiety. Lift it up real high. I see those hands. I'm going to ask the people around them to lay their hands on them. Thank you, Jesus. As the church prays. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for healing. Lord, we thank you. For you said in your word, by your stripes we are healed. And Father, this morning we speak to these bodies and command them to receive total restoration. Life flow into this body right now in the name of Jesus. No weakness. No pain. Total restoration. Resume perfect function right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for a peace that surpasses all understanding. We speak against worry. We speak against fear. We speak against anxiety. And Lord, we thank you that these, your children, will enjoy the shalom of God. The peace of God which goes beyond all understanding. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Well, remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. Enjoy your day.